Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. If you need a Bible, if you just wave, our ushers would be happy to pass one to you. I tell you where to turn in it, but I don't have any idea. So when Aaron gets up here in a minute, he'll tell you where to turn. You know, one of the signs that you're getting older and that you've been somewhere a while is you get to see people grow up. And they used to be little kids, and now they're not little kids anymore. And, uh, and that's a privilege. It really is. And then it's also a privilege at times to be able to see as God leads in different ways and different directions in their life and to be able to be a part of that, in, at least in small ways. And from time to time, we have some of those who've been here and who we still love and part of the family be able to come back and share. Aaron, of course, just married recently. His, his sweet wife, Abigail, is here. And I'm sure he's learning what all of us know, that marriage is a great resource for sermon illustrations. And, but the real resource, I mean, the treasure mind, are children. That's when you really, you can write a book. Um, and so he's beginning to learn all of that in his journey. He's also uh, working toward his MDiv right now. And so from time to time, I'd love to be able to give these guys an opportunity to be able to hone their, hone their skills and be able to share with you what God's doing in their life. So why don't you welcome Aaron as he comes this morning. Good morning. Great to be with you guys here today. Um, as Pastor Troy said, um, I, my family and I started coming to this church when I was in high school. And um, actually because the church opened up its doors for the church we were a part of at the time to use the building on Sunday evenings. And um, over time, it felt like the Lord was calling us here. And so my family still is here. You might know my dad, Roy Milton. <clears throat> Evidently, you do. Um, or you might know my sister, Katie Parakelly. Uh, there you go. See? It's great. Uh, not like I'm getting compared to anybody right now. Um, so, uh, I have been in West Palm for the last 10 years and um, have been working on undergrad there and, and master's work right now, working on a master's in counseling as well as a master's in divinity and really just trusting the Lord and where He's calling me. Uh, I went down to PBA 10 years ago knowing that I wanted to be a worship pastor and went to school to become a music minister and I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was supposed to go get a music degree and come back and be the worship minister here at LifePoint. No questions asked. Um, and the Lord had different plans as He often does. And so uh, began a journey and followed the Lord step by step along the way, and it's not been what I've expected. Um, <clears throat> maybe, maybe you know kind of what I'm talking about there a little bit. Um, so like Troy said, uh, I got married three weeks ago to Abigail Milton. <laughs> so that's, that's hard to get used to for uh, the first couple signatures. She was Abigail Hilton, <clears throat> but... Um, her last name was Hughes, so the H kind of had some residue on the Milton for a while, but uh, it's become Abigail Milton, and so um, as Troy said, she uh, graciously decided to marry someone she knew was going into ministry, and someone who's going into ministry knows that oftentimes life isn't what other people's lives might happen to look like, and um, part of that is sermon illustrations. And so uh, she knew that full well. We've ha had one tiff, only one so far. Um, <clears throat> and 
she, she said, as she, uh, a couple days later, when we were able to talk about it, she goes, honey, I know you're going to be able to use this for a sermon illustration one day. <laughs> and, uh, and so she has she is graciously partnered her life with mine, and I couldn't be more grateful for her and for her encouragement. Um, I wouldn't be who I am or where I am if it weren't for who she is and uh, who the Lord has gifted me with. Um, but as you might imagine, she's also not the first person I ever dated. There were some other women that I thought, this is the one. <clears throat> and it wasn't what I expected. Uh, you see, oftentimes, we expect things to work out a certain kind of way. And, and maybe, you're, maybe you're there too. Maybe you have expected something to work out a certain type of way. You've expected the Lord to move in a certain type of way. You've been praying and praying and praying and expecting the Lord to move in a certain kind of way and He doesn't seem to answer your prayers. Or you hear of a natural disaster and you're, you're left wondering how could a good God allow that to happen? Or you hear of the senseless death of a child and you wonder, what the heck? This isn't, this isn't how life is supposed to work out. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Lord, don't You know any better? Um, I really like Bruce Almighty. It's a movie with Jim Carrey. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that here. But what I really like about Bruce Almighty is the fact that he thought he could do better at God's job than God could. And one day, God gave him the opportunity and it didn't work out so well. Because, you see, he at one point offered to <clears throat> answer everybody's prayer in the affirmative. So the World Series was in its 20th ending because it kept ending in a tie. Because both people were praying that their team would win. And the world went to chaos because every prayer was answered yes. You see, God, God has a bigger picture than we do. Often. All the time, actually. Sometimes we get pictures of it. Sometimes we get images of it. Sometimes we get words about what He wants to do. But there's always something that we don't know. And that's hard. Especially when, like my pastor back at home says, I have a lust for certainty. But you all are much better Christians than I am. And you, you don't have that desire to know how everything's going to work out. And it's a lot easier for you to trust Jesus. I, I know that, but I'm just sharing from my weakness today, okay? And maybe, maybe you can give me some grace and understand where I'm coming from. And if you are today, and if you are someone that's, that's questioning why God, what's going on, what are you doing, what are you up to, why haven't you come through, how long, oh Lord? Just know you're not the only one. You're definitely not the first one, and you won't be the last one, and, and you're not the only one even here in this room right now. You see, people since time began have had this question. We're going to read today in Mark, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, we're going to read about some people that had some expectations. We're going to read about some people that were looking for something from the Lord. And um, this is really hard for us to do today because it's been 2,000 years 
since this has happened, and it's been almost 2,000 opportunities to celebrate our risen King, but I want you to go back in time with me to a time before Jesus had raised from the dead. And I want you to join with me to these crowds that we're going to read about in Mark. And I want you to come with me to the city of Jerusalem for one of the major festivals. We're here for Passover. We're in Jerusalem for Passover. And the reason we're in Jerusalem for Passover is because it's one of the times where all of the men come back to Jerusalem to, to remember the work of the Lord in the Exodus where He graciously saved our people. Where He went to battle against the Egyptian gods and time after time and plague after plague proved that He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and for the last plague, there was a time where He was going to kill the firstborn. But He gave the Israelites a way to protect their children and to protect themselves. That if they would sacrifice a lamb a year old, and if they would put that blood on their doorpost, the angel of death would pass over their homes. Part of this celebration, part of this instruction that the Lord gave at that time was to cook unleavened bread and to eat with your shoes on. Because you're ready to go. You're ready to go when the Lord says go, and you're ready, ready to get out of Egypt. And God was faithful and the people came out and they established the kingdom of Israel. And so here they are, they have a king, King David. And if you're interested later, you can read in 2 Samuel 7 where King David is given a promise. And that promise is that one of his line will establish a kingdom forever. And when that promise is given, Israel is at the high point of its history only its second king but its high point and it begins going downhill from there but for thousands of years they've it's been going downhill but they've been waiting for that promised king that promised anointed one maybe you're more familiar with the word messiah or christ they've been looking for him they've been waiting for him because they know god is faithful to his promises and so they trust, and they hope, and they wait. And every year at Passover, they remember that their God is the God who protects them, who called them out of Egypt, and who is faithful to His Word. So here we are in Jerusalem, celebrating Passover. And man, are we excited. <laughs> because you see, we, we as the Jews in Jerusalem for Passover, are remembering a time where we were oppressed in Egypt. And the Lord provided freedom for us from the Egyptians. Okay? Here are the themes of freedom, of liberation, all these things packed into this Passover time. So all of that is kind of heightened. You know what I'm talking about. When it's close to Christmas and you can't use the present word around your kids because it's just a little too sensitive a word that time of year because other things start coming up or... Uh, maybe it's when it's close to their birthday and you can't quite say cake out loud or ice cream out loud or maybe it's just close to bedtime and you can't say ice cream out loud because you really want them to go to sleep. There's certain times when our ears are heightened to things. There's certain themes that come more alive depending on what's happening in our lives. And so here in this time, they are awakened to this idea of being set free from oppression. And once again, the people of Israel are oppressed under Roman rule. 
They're oppressed and they are looking for freedom. And every time they celebrate Passover, they think maybe this will be the time. Maybe this will be the time. Maybe this will be the time where the Lord goes to battle against the Romans and sets us free and reestablishes His kingdom, our kingdom, here on earth. And so they're hoping. They're waiting. Suddenly, there's this guy named Jesus walking around doing signs and wonders. And there's some confusion about Him. Some people think maybe He's the one. Maybe He's the one we're waiting for. And then, yesterday, this one that we think might be the one, He raises someone from the dead. Just yesterday. You didn't hear about it. Lazarus, that guy over in Bethany. You, you know who he is. Lazarus, his sisters, Mary and Martha. He was dead for four days. In the tomb for four days. And you, being good Jews, know that for three days there's a chance that he might come back. Because the soul waits around and hopes for that opportunity to get back into the body. For three days there is a, a, a slight chance. But the fourth day there's... There's no chance. It would take God Himself to raise Him back from the dead. And so God Himself raised Him back from the dead. Didn't you hear about it? Didn't, didn't you hear about it? So this just happened. And Jesus is showing Himself to be Lord over life and death. Something that is only God's power alone. And here in Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, Now they drew near to Jerusalem. They're drawing near to Jerusalem from Bethany. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, so this is where the Lazarus story just took place, when he gets to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt, tied it at a door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing? Untying the colt. And they told them what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And He sat on it. And many sent, spread their cloaks on the, the road, and the others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the One! Blessed is the coming Kingdom of our Father David! Hosanna in the highest! They were ready. Can you feel the energy in the room? You see, what they did was they went out to where Jesus was at Bethany. Because they wanted to be a part of the procession. Uh, if you have been here long, you've heard Troy talk about uh, clapping as an expression of worship. And one of the things that they would do is they would come in and they would meet the king outside of the city when he has come back from a victorious battle. And they line the streets and they clap for him. And they celebrate the victory that they have. They celebrate the victory and they meet the king outside of the city and they usher him back into his city. And so here, they are hoping for victory, hoping for freedom, hoping for liberation, looking for a king. So they hear someone rose, 
a man from the dead. And they go out of the city and they meet him to usher him back in, declaring, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. There's that hope. There's that hope. This might be the one. He might establish his kingdom. He might kick the Romans' butts. This might be it. We're ready. Hosanna in the highest. Are you there with them? You're anticipating. You're expecting. Because you know what's going to happen. He's going to kick the Romans' butts. They're all going to get out of the town. And then he's going to reestablish Israel, right? Of course that's what he's going to do. Why wouldn't he do that? You see, they, they had an expectation of what they wanted that to look like. Because five days later, they weren't crying out, Hosanna. Five days later, they were crying out, crucify him. Now, I don't want to pretend like we know the future or what's going to happen, so I want us to stay on Palm Sunday, but I want you to know that that's where this leads today. That the same crowd that cried out, Hosanna, which means save us, they are crying out for salvation. Save us! Save us! Save us! You might think it means praise or hallelujah or something along those lines. That's because only Jesus can turn a word that says save us out of desperation into a cry of celebration. Jesus alone can turn that word into such a declarative praise that His salvation is so sure that we can declare it and praise Him about it at the same time. Only Jesus can do that. But here as they're using it, it's not praise yet. It's a cry of need. It's a cry of help. Lord, save us. Hosanna, save us. The One from the highest. The One who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. Get us out from underneath this oppression. And please do it by kicking the Romans out, giving us back our kingdom, and reestablishing Your kingdom forever here on earth. That's the subtext that's not there. But that's what they expect. That's what they want. And you see, Jesus, He doesn't meet that expectation. And, and maybe He hasn't met some of your expectations either. And it's really easy at that time for them to not see God for who He is because their expectations are limitations. Their expectations are limitations. Their expectations have limited whether or not they're able to see the very God that they've been waiting for for thousands of years who is present in their midst. Their expectations are limitations. You see, Martha, the, the sister of Lazarus, went through this same experience in John 11. Just yesterday. And so what I want to talk about today is, is the process of expectations that allow us not to miss out on what God's doing in our midst. Okay? The first thing we need to do is we need to learn to identify our expectations. Then we need to learn to express them. Then we need to learn to challenge them. And then we need to learn to receive what God has for us instead. Okay? Martha goes through this process. When Martha meets Jesus, number one, she goes out of the city to meet Him once again. She goes outside and she meets Him and she says, Lord, if You were here, I know You could heal. 
Lord, if you were here, you could have healed him. Lord, if you had just been here, the one you love, the beloved one, the one that you love, the one you say you love at least, you could have healed him. She identifies an expectation and she's able to express it to Jesus. And Jesus comes and says, he will rise again. She has a hard time with understanding that. She believes that he's talking about the resurrection when Jesus comes again and the kingdom is established. And so she says, Lord, I know he will be raised in the last day. And he says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? She says, yes, Lord, I believe. So she's willing to challenge it, which allows her to receive what the Lord has in store. The other thing that's helpful to understand is that all of our expectations at the root are usually connected to a lie we're believing about God, about ourselves, or about the world. It's usually connected to a lie. Martha's lie was that the Lord didn't really love me. Because if he loved me, he wouldn't have let this happen. I'm sure you've never had that question before, right? If he really loved me, he wouldn't have let that happen. No. He loves you. And you see, in this story, Jesus cares, I believe, this is my own interpretation, I believe he cares less about raising Lazarus from the dead and cares more about raising Martha's belief from the dead. That's what I believe he's more interested in. And I believe that's what he's more interested in for you today also. Is he wants to raise your belief from the dead. That belief that's slowly starved to death because he hasn't come through the way you've expected him to. That belief that's slowly faded away and slipped through your fingers because if Jesus really loved me, he wouldn't have let fill in the blank. And Jesus comes and he says, are you willing to challenge that lie? Are you willing to challenge that expectation? Are you willing to believe that I love you? Are you willing to trust that my ways are higher than your ways? Are you willing to let go of that expectation so you're able to receive what I have for you? David models for this also in Psalm 103. If you turn there, Psalm 103. Psalm is the middle of the Bible. I'm sorry, not 103. Psalm 13. As we're reading through this, I want you to listen again for those themes, okay? Of identifying and expressing our expectation. Of challenging it and of receiving what the Lord has. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? This is a common refrain in life, isn't it? David experienced it. We experience it. How long, O Lord? Right now, if this is where you are, I hope you use this text as a prayer. The Psalms were their hymn book. This is where they went for songs and for prayers. And so if this is where you are today, I pray that you would join David in crying out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, I don't believe David sat down and wrote this all in one day. I think David had to come back to this one a couple times. I think it took more than just one hour in the Lord's presence for all this to make sense to him. Because I believe he was shaken for a while. I believe he was challenged by this for a while. And I believe it took time before the reality of the steadfast love that endures forever could really sink in. But you hear it. He identifies. How long, O Lord? He expresses it to him. You see, Jesus can handle your expression of your expectation. He can handle it. You don't have to hide it from him. You don't have to pretend like nothing happened. You can be like David and cry out, How long, O Lord? You can be like Martha and say, If you were here. He can handle it. Express it. Let Him know what you expect. Let Him know why your heart is troubled. But, be ready for Him to challenge it. Be ready for Him to want to get past your expectation and get to the lie that you believe and challenge it. And then, be ready to receive what He has for you instead. You see, it's one thing to be able to identify and express your expectation. The crowds did that in Mark. They identified their expectation. I'm expecting the king that David promised, that the Lord promised, to come and set up an earthly kingdom. And they expressed it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one and the coming kingdom of our father David. Blessed. Hallelujah. Hosanna. Blessed. We're ready. They identified their expectation, but they were unwilling to challenge it. They were unwilling to challenge it. Because Jesus did come. They were right. He did come to establish a kingdom. And it's a kingdom that lasts forever. But as he told Pilate, it's not an earthly kingdom. And because his kingdom didn't look like they expected his kingdom to look, they missed it. The one they waited for, the one they celebrated, the one they went outside of the city to usher in with palm branches, they missed. Sometimes we struggle because the Lord just doesn't seem to be coming through. He seems to be ignoring us. He seems to be not hearing us, not paying attention to us. 
Sometimes we struggle because we see the Lord start to do something and then it seems like He stopped. <laughs> Lord, we were doing so good. We were on track. We had this going together. And then You lost me. My encouragement to you this morning is to identify what that expectation was. To identify what might happen to be the lie behind that expectation and to challenge it. And to receive what God has for you instead. Because in the same way that what Jesus had in store was much better than an earthly kingdom, what God has in store for you is much better than you could ever expect. But I like what I know. I like what I'm familiar with. And I like some of the control of it being what I expect it to be. But the Lord says no. Are you willing to let go of what you know? Are you willing to let go of what you expect? Are you willing to let me challenge the lie you believe? And are you ready and are you willing to accept, to receive what I have for you? Because if your hands are full of your expectations, there's no way you can receive what He has for you. So this morning, my question for you is, what are you expecting? What are you looking for this morning? What are you struggling with this morning? What are you wanting the Lord to do this morning? What are you expecting? I want you to be able to identify that this morning. I want you to express that to the Lord. And I want you to be willing to hear Him challenge that this morning. And as He does so, my prayer for you is that you're ready to receive what He has for you. I'm going to ask Lori to come play. And as she does, I want to tell a short little story about a young girl who, when she was six years old, was given a lovely strand of plastic pearls by her father. You see, this girl, she loved being a princess and she loved dressing up and she loved spending time uh, in her imaginary world and so she was given these plastic pearls and they were her favorite. No outfit was finished without the pearls. She cherished them. And although over time, princesses and playing dress-up became less cool and less acceptable, Sometimes she'd still put the pearls on just to see how they looked. Because they reminded her of her father's love for her. They were special. They were so meaningful. And then one day, it was right after her 16th birthday, so she's spent 10 years with these pearls. Right after her 16th birthday, her father calls her. And he says, honey, I want you to give me the pearls. And her face drops. What do, you, what do you mean you want me to give you? Am I going to get them back? Like, you want to borrow? Like, what are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Give me the pearls. He says, honey, I want you to give me the pearls back. 
But, but Dad, these are the pearls that you gave me. Like, there are so many memories of our tea parties together where I made you dress up and wear that weird hat with me. And like, we did all these things together and these pearls mean so much. He says, I want you to give them to me. And she struggles, as I think most of us would, to hand over the pearls. But her trust in her father's steadfast love enables her to give the pearls, even though it's begrudgingly, even though it's difficult. And she hands him these plastic pearls that are so much more And as she does, he pulls out his other hand and has a string of real pearls for her. And he puts them around her neck. You see, sometimes we hold on to cheap imitations of what God wants to do for us. And because they're familiar, and because we know them, and because we have memories tied to them, we're not ready to let go of them. But the pearls he has are so much better. And if you hold on to the plastic pearls, you're unable to receive the pearls he has in store. So this morning, I'm going to ask for the prayer partners to come forward. And I'm going to invite you to bow your head with me. And I'm going to invite you to run to the cross, to run to your Father, and to ask Him to help you identify what are these expectations? What is it that I'm trusting in? Because you see, an expectation is really when I'm trusting in what I want more than in the God I claim to put my faith in. So Lord, what am I trusting in more than You right now? Lord, show me the areas where I trust my plan for the future more than I trust Your plan for the future. And as he does that, invite him to expose the attitude of your heart. Invite him to challenge maybe the lie that's hiding behind that expectation. And as he challenges that lie, agree with him. But don't stop there. There's more because He has something He wants to give you. He not only wants to challenge the expectation, He not only wants to challenge the lie, He wants to give you His truth. And let me tell you, there's something very different about when He tells me His truth. It's different than reading it in a book, and it's different than studying it in the Greek. There is something that comes alive when He tells me His truth. And this morning, if you'd like some help in this journey, through identifying, through expressing, through challenging, through receiving, we have prayer partners here that would love to walk through that journey with you. And my prayer this morning is that your expectations would no longer be limitations that you would no longer be limited in the way that you see God at work around you, that you would no longer be limited in your relationship with Him, but that you would trust Him enough
to let go of the pearls. Father, we come to you. Where else could we go? For you alone have the words of life. Lord, places this morning where our belief is wasting away, where our trust seems dead, Father, would you this Palm Sunday bring resurrection? Would you speak life? Would you speak truth to the hearts of those here today? Would you speak life and would you speak truth into my heart today? Lord, this is something that we know only you can do. Something only you can do. But we are so thankful that it is something that you love to do. That it's something that you want to do. That it's something you're ready to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. One final word. Again, the prayer partners will be up here if if you'd like some more help in that process. But one final word is this. Things might not change. But you can. Things might not change. That prayer still might be unanswered. You still might have the questions of why, Lord. But your relationship with your Father can change. And you can receive the truth that He has in the midst of the pain that He doesn't let any of it go to waste. That He is able to bring life out of death. And it just probably won't be what you expect. Troy, would you come up? Would you stand with me? I want us to sing this song as we close and as we begin to sing, you can, if you want to pray with one of our prayer partners, you can come even as we sing. But as I was talking with the Lord, as Aaron was speaking, the Lord began to run illustration after illustration throughout in my own life of how the Lord does this, how often He has done this, how He has taken and revealed expectations and lies behind them, and how He's wanted to replace it with something else. And if you stop and listen, He'll remind you of those same things. But here's the, where he challenged me this morning. Is Troy, don't, don't rest in what I did. I want to do it again today and tomorrow. I want to keep doing this until, until I'm gone, until I'm not here anymore, until I see him face to face. He wants to keep doing this. Lord, help us not to rest on what you did yesterday, but to believe you're going to keep speaking. You're going to keep challenging these expectations and the lies behind them. And Lord, we're going to keep receiving from you. You've got more you want to give. And so, Lord, we receive that.